Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you today? It is good to see you. Merry Christmas. Wow, I didn't even, I guess I knew it, but when Savannah said it's two weeks till Christmas, I went, yikes. Wow, that feels close. How about it's raining outside? That's kind of unusual, right? It's only been like 40 days and 40 nights, right? Surely the sun is going to shine soon. So I'm glad you're here. For those of you in the room, those of you watching online, so glad you're here today. And um, we get to continue a series that we began just last week called There is a King. Last week we talked about that he is a king of hope, and what true hope is is a confident expectation that what God has promised that he will do, that he will actually do those things. And our confidence doesn't come in our abilities, but in who he is. Today, I want to talk to you about, in this king, this journey of faith that this king invites and challenges and empowers each of us to walk along. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read the first seven verses. This is a familiar passage. It's a Christmas passage, and uh, we're going to start off by the first seven verses. Starting in verse 1, it says, At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, And he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. Let's pray. Lord, in these next few moments, I ask that your spirit would be with us as it has already been with us. I pray you anoint the word as it goes forth and on our ears to hear and our hearts to receive so you truly may accomplish your perfect will in our lives. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever taken a long trip with young children? Let me see your hands. Doesn't matter if they were your kids or not. It's worse if they're not your kids, but it doesn't matter if it was your kids or not. Long trip. So when, um, uh, when Bradley and Lauren, they were about uh, six and four, We decided, I had an appointment, we lived in Jackson, Mississippi, and we had an appointment in Cleveland, Tennessee. It's about a six to six and a half hour drive, and an appointment the next day on a Thursday. So we had to be at our church that we were pastoring at um, that, that Wednesday night. So we decided the best thing to do was let's drive at night while the kids are sleeping. How many ever thought that was a good idea? That idea is for a younger man, let me just tell you. So we just, okay, we got finished. It was about 8.30. We had already packed up the car, got the kids in, and literally asked all the questions that you asked. Do you have your stuff? Do you have this? Do you have this? And what's the other question you ask? Have you gone to the bathroom? Yep. I need you to go again. Don't need to. All right. So we get about five minutes down the road. We grab something to eat. Ten minutes later, my son Bradley says, hey, Dad, got to use the bathroom. Great. So we pull over. We find something somewhere that's open. He uses the restroom. As he is getting back into the van, um, the, the van door does not latch all the way as we open it up. And so as he's holding on, the door just kind of, sla- it doesn't slam, but it's not pretty either. You know, it's, it's painful. Catches his hand in the door, and it is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
I mean, this is obviously painful, but he's milking it for everything that he possibly can. I mean, he's six. What more are you going to do at that time, right? So we finally get everything done. About, about five minutes later, we get back on the road, and he says, Dad, can we just go ahead and get a hotel for tonight? I'm like, we're 15 minutes from home. This just keeps continuing the whole way. We get into a traffic jam. Somebody's had an accident. We're 45 minutes on the interstate just waiting. This is the days before the GPS would route you around everything. So you just wait in traffic. It's raining sometimes. So after we get out of the traffic jam, I decide I'm going to make up some time after the traffic jam. And as sure as I start to make up time, here come the blue lights in the rearview mirror. My kids are losing it in the back. Bradley is scolding me. You shouldn't have been speeding. They're going to take you to jail now. <laughs> Lauren hears this. She's crying. My daddy's going to jail in the back. The trooper comes up to the window. It is chaos in the car. He looks in. And he goes, are you okay? I said, I don't know. He said, what is going on? I said, they think I'm going to jail. He laughs, takes my license and my insurance information, goes back, runs my tag, comes back up to the car, and he said, I can't make your night any worse than it possibly is right now. He said, would you mind slowing down? At this point, we're, we're one exit away from Gadsden, Alabama, and I said, sir, if you'll let me go to that next exit, I promise you I'm getting a hotel right now. <laughs> I have had it. Anybody ever had one of those trips? You know the kind... The kind where you as the parent go, don't make me pull this car over and come back there, right? <laughs> Ever had those? That's exactly this trip. And it's so indicative of this journey that we are taking right now in our lives. In your life and in my life. The next day, I have an appointment in Cleveland, Tennessee. It's in the afternoon, so we get up early and we drive the rest of the way in. Part of me the night before said, I'm going to reschedule this thing. I've had it. I want to go home. I don't want to go to Cleveland. I don't like Cleveland. I don't like anybody in Cleveland. I'm just not, I'm not going. But it was that next day that I had a meeting set up with someone. I was asking for just an hour of their time to talk about how do you pastor a church how do you grow a church? And that person, that meeting changed my life. It was Dr. Paul Walker. Now, here's, this is the ironic thing. In the chaos of the journey, if you stop, you can miss something significant. If you turn around when things get tough, you can miss the purpose that God has for your life, the places where he wants to take you in those times. In this passage that we read, it's a sweet Christmas passage until you look at verse 5. Talking about Joseph, he took with him Mary to whom he was engaged who was now expecting a child. That verse is scandalous. You see, in those days, you would decide you were going to marry someone, you would get engaged. It was a one-year period from the engagement, approximately. It was a one-year period where you were set aside for each other, you were legally married, and yet not legally married. 
You were bound to each other, and any other contact with other people would be considered adultery and would be punishable by the community. And yet you did not live together. You didn't have relations or anything like that. You were bound together, and yet you were not married. And so for her to be pregnant during an engagement, scandalous. And both Mary and Joseph had to take a journey of faith that was impossible to believe in the ordinary. But the results were extraordinary in the way God wanted to use them. I want to talk to you about a couple of things. First of all, in this journey of faith that they took, that you will take, that I will take, it literally takes faith to believe in order to start this journey. You've got to have faith to believe. What do you have to believe? That God is in my life, that God is doing something in my life, that God has significance waiting for me in my life. In Luke chapter 1, we back up just a moment, we find that there is this encounter with an angel that Mary, the mother of Jesus, has. Starting at verse 26, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this is her cousin Elizabeth who is pregnant with John the Baptist. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to, a man, to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Then Mary asks like, the important question here. She says, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and it will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. And so Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So we read that. We read that in hindsight, knowing all that's going to happen. But when Mary encounters this angel, she's got to believe some things about her life that is difficult for us to wrap our minds around. She's got to believe that God is going to be with her in these moments, that this is God calling her because if this happens, this changes her life. There's no guarantee for her. I mean, God doesn't, the angel doesn't say, don't worry, I'm going to go have a conversation with Joseph. She has no idea. He just says, this is what God wants to do in your life. And she says, may it be done unto me. Let everything that the Lord has said happen to me as he has said it. But this could cost her. This could cost her her engagement to Joseph. This could cost her marriage to any man in her future. This could cost her to be labeled as an adulteress unfaithful, 
This child could be considered illegitimate and cast out. She could be cast out of her family. She could be ostracized from her community. She could be excommunicated from her church. She could be dealt with by the community and just said, no one have anything to do with her. We read this and we go, of course she said yes. But she's got to have faith to believe that God is calling her something too significant. And she doesn't know how it's all going to end. She doesn't know how it's all going to work out. She doesn't know how the engagement to Joseph is going to work out. She knows none of that. She doesn't know how her parents are going to react. She just says, may it be unto me as you have said. Let the Lord's will be done. It's the first step. You've got to believe that God's calling you to something significant. But see, in the journey that we read in Luke chapter 2, there's Mary and there's Joseph. And by the time we read that, they're both making this journey when Jesus is going to be born. And so there is Joseph. Joseph, the Bible says, is a righteous man. He's a good man. And yet this same man is going to have to encounter something, some news from his espoused, engaged wife, and she's going to have to come to him, and she's going to have to tell him, I'm pregnant. Now, what was the question that she asked the angel? How can this be? I'm a virgin. Joseph's about to ask a similar question. He's got a how can this be question coming on. And she says, an angel appeared to me, told me that the Holy Spirit was going to do this in me, and it was going to be God's son, and we were to raise him. Now, we read this and we go, of course he said yes. The Bible actually tells us that this was very, it intimates this was very difficult for Joseph to wrap his mind around. That literally as he goes, what, you're pregnant, we haven't, God's son? And she said, yes. He doesn't quite believe her at first because the Bible tells us in just a moment, I'll read to you, that he planned to divorce her quietly. You see, he had the right to publicly shame her. He had the right to publicly have her punished. In the Old Testament, that could have even resulted in death, this type of unfaithfulness. He had the right to do all of this publicly, but instead he decided privately because he was a good man. He didn't want to hurt her, but he also couldn't deal with the pain of what was going on just to divorce her privately. And then he has his own visit from an angel. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So he's having a difficult time wrapping his mind around this. And he says, I, I don't know that I can believe this. I can't go on this. She's broken my trust. She's broken my heart. She's broken faith with me. I can't do this. And then it says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He's a righteous man. He's a good man. 
He has a decision to make. He's decided to follow the call of God on his life. But following his call on his life is going to change everything. This is, this is not how he drew things up, you know? You know, if you're a teenager in your 20s, 30s, if you're thinking about marriage, all of these things, you've got an idea of things that you want, right? You, you, you've got an idea. You know, we talk about the all-American marriage or all-American family. Maybe there's the all-Israeli family. I don't know what, I mean, it's their version of a nice little house with a white picket fence, 2.4 kids, two cars in the garage, got a college fund set up and retire comfortably, right? Whatever their version of that, it's out the window now. It's gone. That's not happening because everybody will know one of two things has happened. Either they have broken their vows to the Lord and engaged in premarital sex, and she's pregnant, or she's been unfaithful with another man, and he's going to raise the child of another man. For the rest of their lives, that's going to be circling them. That's what people are going to see around them until Jesus rises from the dead. For 30 years, it's going to resonate around them the whispers of people when they walk by, when they see her walking with Jesus, when they see him walking with Jesus, the whispers will be there. That something unrighteous has taken place. I thought he was a righteous man. But Joseph would rather be righteous in God's eyes and considered unrighteous by other people. He would rather please God than please the world. Can I just tell you something? Every single journey, your journey and my journey, starts with faith to believe. Believe that God thinks that you are important enough to send his only son. Believe that Jesus Christ was enough in what he did on the cross, paid for your sins and gave you new life right now and eternal life to come. Believe enough to know that when God has saved me and called me, it is something significant in spite of what I feel right now or the circumstances that you're going through right now. You have to have a faith to believe in order to start the journey. The second thing you need is you need a faith to follow God's path, especially when you don't understand it. Let me let you look at another passage, the first five verses again. We read seven to start with. I want to read to you the first five verses again. I want you to see something in this. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Now, that's not just, we're not just reading just some nice narrative here. I want you to dig deep into this and realize what's going on. This is chaos. She is, as one translation said, great with child. You know what that means? About to pop any time, right? This is pregnancy is full born. Birth is right there. It's, I mean, it could happen any moment, any time. And how many ladies in the room would say about that time, it's a tad bit miserable, right? She's not taking the Dodge Caravan to Cleveland, Tennessee. 
She's walking and riding a camel from the Sea of Galilee area all the way up the elevation to Judea, past Jerusalem and to Bethlehem. This is not a fun trip. There are people all around them. This is not, God didn't just say, Joseph, Mary, I want you to go to Bethlehem in order to give birth to my son, Jesus, in order to fulfill a prophecy. He didn't say any of that. You know what he did? He calls the emperor of Rome to tell the governor of that area to call a census. Do you know what a census in Roman times was for? Taxes. So the government told everybody in the Roman Empire, you've got to move and you've got to go to your own hometown and you've got to pay taxes. Everybody's moving at one time. The roads are jam-packed. This, this is Atlanta traffic on Wednesday afternoon before Thanksgiving. <laughs> this is chaos. This is absolute chaos that's going on. Now, here's what I need you to see. God moves them and gets them in the right place, not by telling them divine instructions, but by turning world events in order to get them to a place where they were supposed to be. So what seems like ordinary stuff, because look, this was the first census from Quirinius. This is not the last. It's not the first that's happened. These are continual things that are happening. So what's happening is this. This is a normal thing that's happening that is very inconvenient, that is causing chaos in their life, that is positioning them to get to the place of significance where Jesus will be born and fulfill all of Scripture. They don't see it, and you can't see it. You don't understand the ordinary things that are causing things to move around you, and the chaos that it's causing in your life is causing you to get to a place of significance that you wouldn't go under normal circumstances. You can't see it. Listen, to the man or the woman who is putting in the extra hours at work, and they keep telling you, It's going to get better. You're going to get a raise. You're going to get a promotion. And it seems like it's never happening. It's just causing chaos in your world. To the mom and the dad who is getting their children ready to go to school, pick them up, get them to lessons, going to ball practice, getting home, trying to get food in everybody's belly and go to sleep and get up and do it all the next day. And you think, I don't know what purpose or significance, where God is even at right now in all of this. You have no idea. You could be raising and imparting into the next mayor or governor or president that changes events in communities. You could be imparting into the next CEO that is going to put a godly business in order to employ thousands upon thousands of people. You don't know in the chaos, in the whirlwind, that God is bringing about significance in your life. And sometimes it feels chaotic, and it also feels normal at the same time. The circumstances feel normal, but the surroundings feel chaotic. All of it, though, God knows how to work his will out. Two years ago, 
We were in need of a high school worship pastor, part-time. Um, we were at a place where we could afford part-time high school worship pastor. And um, so uh, we, we were talking about it um, through our student ministries. And so I asked Lance Pierce, our worship pastor, to start searching out, putting some feelers out, seeing who was available around there. Because in, a, you know, in my mind, I'm like, worship, a, a worship pastor is one thing, but like a part-time, who's going to be available to do that? And he got the name of someone who had recently moved to Atlanta that was working several part-time jobs, uh, just felt called to come to Atlanta. So um, he reaches out to this person. Uh, her name is Savannah Ogle. Um, and they described, the person that recommended her described her. and said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know who she is. She is the blonde girl that leads a lot in Lee Singers, and she plays guitar. He goes, I know exactly who that is. And so he gets her number. He got, that, in his mind, this is who she think, he thinks. So he gets her number. She arranges to come in and do an interview. And she sits down. Uh, he meets her. She sits down, and they start talking. And in Lance's mind, he thinks, oh, my Lord, this is not the person I thought this was. He was thinking of a completely different girl. In his mind, he said, God, please let her be able to sing. Just Just sing. <laughs> Let her, I don't even know. I, I know I'm no matter. I don't know her. Just let her be able to sing. So they have this conversation, and he enjoys the conversation. And he said, "All right, well then, let's just try out tomorrow night. You know, on a Wednesday night, let's try out the next service, and you can lead the the, the band and the high school uh, worship leaders." And so she shows up, and I decide that night I'm going to come. Let, let me hear this person. Let me see what's going on. And so he has talked about this person, all of her qualifications in a meeting with me. And so as she's leading, he's standing right beside me. I notice she's leading from a keyboard. And I said, I lean over to Lance and I said, I, didn't you tell me she played guitar? And he said, no, she plays keyboard. So I just said, all right, I guess I misheard that. Did a great job. We decided to bring her on staff part-time. She was still working her other part-time jobs. And it wasn't until maybe two or three months later that she was helping to lead on a Sunday morning here. And um, in that Sunday morning, it just happened to be the Sunday morning where, I don't know if you remember this, if you were part of the church, right after we got back meeting together, we met together after um, COVID. Um, but there was a moment in time where I just felt like in that, in that moment that in spite of whatever was going on, it was time to open up the altars and just allow people to pray. And man, I'm telling you, down every aisle, up the seats, the people were just waiting to finally be prayed for again. And Savannah was leading in that moment. And as she led in that moment, when we got home, my wife Laura and I talked and we just said, I don't know, there's something there's, there's something, there's a gel there, there's anointing there, there's something, there's a cohesiveness there. And by that Wednesday, I was talking to her about, how would you like to come on full-time with us? Now, can I just tell you something? I laugh about that story. Laughing, uh, Lance and I laugh about that story a lot. Can I just tell you, I'm so thankful the girl he thought was gonna show up didn't show up. <laughs> and I'm so glad Savannah showed up instead. Whoever that girl is, if you're in the room or watching, no offense to me, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> Let me give you another example. 14 years ago, we decided we, needed to, uh, we were ready to hire a discipleship pastor. And the previous pastor had been in discussions with this one guy, had been talking with him for about six months. And they had been talking and talking. And man, this was the guy that, that the pastor wanted. This was it. This was the guy that he wanted. 
And when he finally got to the point where he made the offer, the guy said, I'm sorry, I've already taken a job somewhere else now. He said, but, he said, I've got a friend, if you're interested in talking to him, told us about a guy from Michigan named Brett Mays we had never heard of, didn't know anything about. Aren't you glad that guy didn't work out and this guy did? Listen, these things can feel chaotic, they can feel normal, and we get so confused and we ask God, what in the world is going on? But if you will have the faith to stay on the path that God has called you to, in spite of the times you don't understand, in spite of the times where you are confused, in spite of the times where you want to turn around, call it all off, and go somewhere else, stay on the path, he'll take you to a place of significance. And to those of you that are struggling right now with the chaos of life, where you feel like you're being overlooked, overworked, can I just tell you something? God still has a plan of significance for your life. If you'll keep putting, put, putting, keep putting one foot in front of the other in order for him to lead you to that place of significance. The final thing I want you to see is this, is that it's a faith that God is both with me and waiting for me. I want to read to you one more chaotic scene. It's found in Matthew chapter 2. Visitors of Jesus, they are called wise men or magi. They are traveling into Jerusalem on their way to Bethlehem from the east. They are when, in what most people talk about as a caravan. You need to think they probably, most scholars believe, they had an army of several hundred people leading the way, plus attendants. This is chaotic. When they go to meet with King Herod, it's chaotic. When they go to this little small town in Bethlehem, it is chaotic. But after they arrive, they're being led by the Lord to find this king. Look with me. Guys, I want to go um, on the screens. I want to go to verses 9 through 11, please. After they talk to King Herod and they find out Bethlehem, it says, After this interview, the wise men of the Magi went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The star guides them. Matthew wants it to be very clear to us that God is guiding the star that's guiding them. So God's presence is guiding them along the way, and Jesus is waiting for them when they arrive. For Mary and Joseph, it's not a divine star. It's an ordinary law that was passed that caused everybody to move. And yet when they arrive in Bethlehem, Jesus is there. Whether you feel like you've got divine guidance for God or whether you feel like you're just going down the tide of circumstances right now, if you have the faith to believe and you stay on the path that God's called you to, he's going to bring you to a place of significance.
and it will literally change your life. A faith to believe, a faith to stay on the path, and a faith that God is with me on the journey and he's waiting for me when I get there. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? It all starts with faith. If you're in this room right now and you know when you came in here, things aren't right between you and the Lord. But today you wanna change that and you wanna follow Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who was born King of the Jews. You simply need to pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all you've done for me. I thank you that you are truly King and truly Lord. You're king over all the earth. You're king over all the universe. And so I ask you to now be king and Lord over my life. I pray that you forgive me of my sins and my past. And I yield to your leadership and lordship in my life. And I will never be the same. Now, would everyone just pray this little prayer of profession? Say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time. I'm not here to embarrass you. I want to pray for you this week. But if that's you, be bold enough right now. Would you raise your hand and keep it up really high? Just a moment, please. Yep. Yep, you're not alone. Amen. Thank you. Just keep it up just a moment, please. Thank you so much. Amen. Yep. All right, you can put them down. Lord, we thank you for the lives that have been changed and surrendered to you. And we thank you for the truth that we rest in right now, that you are with us, you are calling us, and you are waiting for us. Now, Lord, I pray that every decision that was made here, Lord, would be solidified as they leave here and they follow your word and they follow your spirit. And I pray, God, in the same time, that there would be such a life of significance that awaits each and every person that has given their heart to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, everyone look at me. I'm going to actually ask you to be kind of brave here. If you're here and you say, you know, I've been going through a lot of chaos. The circumstances that I'm kind of walking through right now, on some ways they feel normal, in some ways they feel chaotic. And I just need to know God's with me. I'm struggling I'm struggling, life seems to be spinning and I'm just struggling. Listen to me, we're gonna pray together in just a moment. One thing I need you to see in both the Magi, the wise men, and with Joseph and Mary, none of them traveled alone. They all traveled in community. And the important thing you need to know is as you're on this journey, even if it feels chaotic, you have community surrounding you. People who love you will support you and will pray for you along the way. And if that's you, I'm just gonna ask you, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? You feel chaos in your life right now and you just say, I just need, let's leave them up. Leave them up really high. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's nothing wrong with it. I feel, listen, I feel chaos in mind. There's nothing wrong with it. Leave them up. Now just look around you right now. You see a hand around you? In a moment, we're gonna stand and if there's somebody near you, I want you to just walk over to them and just put a hand on their shoulder and I want us to pray together and believe together right now. Let's stand together right now. And if you saw someone, no one praying alone right now, all right? No one praying alone. Come on, let's be the church. Let's be the body of believers right now. Father, in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit would touch 
and guide each and every heart right now. I pray, Lord, for those people that feel like chaos is just roiling up inside of them. I pray that they would feel a peace and a calm right now, Lord. I pray for those that feel overworked, overstressed, God, that you would just send a, a sense of comfort and hope into their hearts right now. I pray, oh God, for those that have, have feel like that circumstances have been unfair to them and they're walking down a path they didn't choose and they don't even want right now and they're wondering where you are, Lord. I pray that they feel your holy presence right now as you guide them and you take them to a place of significance. They can't see it right now, but Lord, you're waiting for them where they are. God, I pray for healing over minds, healing over bodies, healing over emotions right now, healing over relationships in the name of Jesus, healing over their financial situation, provision, I pray. Lord, the things that keep them awake at night, I pray that they lay down tonight, and as they lie down, oh Lord, that peace overwhelms them, and they have rest like they've never had it before. God, I believe these things in Jesus' name. And Lord, for us, the body of believers, help us not to just take away this moment and walk away from this moment as we pray for the other person. I pray that you would just sear this moment in our hearts where we go away from here and we pray daily for our brothers and sisters in Christ so that they may be encouraged in the Lord, that they may walk faithfully, and they may arrive, O oh Lord, with purpose and destiny and significance. And as you do this, O oh Lord, we will give you the praise for it in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray these things amen and amen come on give the lord praise in this place amen hey listen celebrate with me four people gave their hearts to jesus christ today greatest decision you can ever make if you made that decision today or in the last few weeks I'm going to encourage you. Our grow team is here. They want to talk with you in just a few moments. Come down to get a little information about the church as well. But before we leave, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you, those especially, you raised your hand, those that prayed for you by an act of faith and obedience and testimony and declaration, I want us to sing the words of this song, the goodness of God, and declare how good he's been and how good he's going to be right now as we leave this place. Come on, let's sing your goodness. And your goodness is running after, running after me. Come on, we believe it today. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running our story today. We sing.
of the goodness of God. One more time. I will sing of the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you go, allow me to bless you according to Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great week.